NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. What a wonderful show we have this week. You think there's no cricket happening? Boy, are you wrong. There's so much cricket happening. So many things happening around the world. The Shield season has begun. Australia need runs. Who's going to score the runs? The selection, uh, the selection issues, rather, continue. Matt Renshaw, is he going to get picked? Who's going to wicket keep for Australia? England are out here. They've made it out here. But who are England? I don't know. Will McPherson, uh, English journalist Will McPherson, is on the show, as is Brett Jeeves, uh, to dissect all things serious cricket nature. Of course, um, club cricket, trip, a bloke got a triple hat-trick somewhere. There's cartwheels uh, for hat-trick celebrations and Shane Warne as the new bachelor, allegedly. Uh, add that, all that and ask TGC, of course. My name's Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Sam Perry and David Edwards. How you going, boys? Welcome back. Oh, happy, Wait. happy. It, 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 these intros are becoming increasingly hokey, and I love it. Is the he podcast goes, very over? Good. Are we done? Because you just yeah. said about 800 <laughs> words then. That's the hour. And I, I liked it, though. It was good. It was real good. I, I really liked it, too. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been about no runs in Australia, right? You know, there's this, we're combing the country for this number six and number seven, and there were these depressing lists of uh, what our contenders achieved in the Shield season, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't make for pretty reading. Zero hundreds. Australia needs hundreds, and there's no hundreds. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of it. Should we just pick the New South Wales side? I think the safest thing to do, Pez, would be to pick the New South Wales side. But, I mean, we were all loving, you know, the build-up, the anticipation. I was constantly refreshing all my various social media feeds, wanting to know who had the edge on each other for that number six position in particular, and also the keeping position. Um, never have I paid such close attention to what's going on in Sheffield Shield cricket. But as it turned out, no one scored any runs, and what are we going to do to get runs? Don't know. Uh, we're all gobsmacked by it. I mean, I'm still, uh, like, I'm worried because this is Australian cricket. I mean, haven't we been raising kids <laughs> in the backyard to be plundering yeah. runs yeah. at all times, at all costs and at all times? <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> there's an in-joke, early in-joke. Why, why is it just our bowlers taking wickets? And why was it? I've got so many questions. Why was it that when we need all these runs that we played 
night games <laughs> on really green wickets and now sort of uh, yeah. swing bowlers are taking six for and seven for and now the question is should Chad Sayers be in the side I just want runs <laughs> <laughs> I think we all just want runs Pez I thought he goes was going to jump in there I think he's the one that wants runs the most out of all of us um, look it's 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 a little bit scary um, we're all a little bit worried we're only a few weeks out from the first Ashes test um, and we're already seeing that we're we're a little bit concerned about our lineup, and I think we've, we're now seeing Renshaw's on the outer. I thought he was in the inner sanctum, mm. but he's gone or allegedly mm. gone. What's going on? Also, Dave, I think you're referring to a piece that came out from Peter Lawler in the Australian. Hello, Peter, if you're listening, and he has uh, you know copped the tip, I suppose that Renshaw needs runs. He would have been tipped off by some, one of the selectors or something like that. And like I, I've heard similar whispers as well, and I just wanted to say whispers on the show. But it really seems like there's uh, all of a sudden there's this pressure on Renshaw, who really alleviated so much pressure last year with his dour ability to defend and leave balls. It was exactly what we needed. But now this summer against England seems like just this campaign of hyper-aggression. It's alpha, alpha, alpha. <laughs> and if you're not alpha, if you're not bowling around the wicket bounces, if you're not wearing a moustache, <laughs> if you're not... Caning England aggressively, then you, yeah. you can get out. Get out, buy in, or get out. There's there's so much about the Renshaw non-selection or selection in general, which didn't which didn't make sense. I mean, he just waltzed into first slip, and then like sometimes even when like, when Matthew Wade let through some buys, he would have to chase after the ball. And it, isn't his gait just shocking? It's a shocking gait. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and- said that. He's just ungainly in his in his style, and I completely agree with Pez. You know, like Pat Cummins on the show last week said that the the three pronged pace attack are going to be um, wearing. They're going to start. They're going to be styling moustaches. We know the wickets mm. are going to be fast. All the chat with Dave Warner, it's going to be war. And Matt Renshaw isn't war. I mean, he's he is love and peace, and <laughs> and it's yeah, the complete opposite yeah. of what Darren Lehman's Australia wants. Absolutely, he goes. I mean, I actually noticed yesterday that Renshaw's signed a BBL deal as well, which shows that mm. he he acknowledges that you know he's thinking to himself, everyone else is doing this. I've got levers. I need to hit a long ball. I've got to do it. I've got to sign a BBL contract. I like his personal brand the way it is. Um, I like <laughs> that he's a long form specialist and that he's a stayer. I don't want to see him play in coloured clothing. I think I want to just see him play in whites forever. It's going to look strange when he goes out in a heat jumper that light blue or whatever the fuck it is. Um, you know, we've got T20 specialists these days. We've got these short-form short mercenaries, you know, that tour the world for massive paydays. I don't think he belongs in that bracket. I want long-form specialists and I want Matt Renshaw in the first test. That's what I want. I like it, Dave. Doesn't it just signal that, like, this is go- this Ashes series for Australia is going to be about recreating the Mitchell Johnson firestorm as much as possible. Australia mm-hmm. last year announced a new horses for courses policy after being routed by South Africa. They went to India. They were humble. They spun to one. They they defended. They stopped trying to hit guys over the top. But maybe horses for courses also applies to Australia. Maybe this maybe we'll see the most aggressive Australian side of all time. Maybe it will be revenge for bodyline. And and if Renshaw can't be part of that as an alpha, if 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 he can't get levers, if he can't hit powerfully, then uh well then it's Sean Marsh all the way. He's got 3 weeks to have to get some vascular arms and I'm not sure if he's going to make that deadline. <laughs> You could help him with that, he goes. Uh, I mean, Ed Cowan complimented your gym work. Perhaps you could reach out to Renshaw on Instagram. Maybe a couple of split program, some bicep sort of stuff. I don't know. 
Yeah, and ever since then, I've been getting nonstop requests on my Instagram. So thanks very much to Ed for that. Um, so I mean, this this even goes beyond Australia. Just the on field stuff. I mean, the the hashtag going around sent out by Cricket Australia is Beat England, which is just I mean, it's 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 not it's not easy to um, forget. Uh, but Beat England is the hashtag, <laughs> which is says it all. So uh, mov- moving on from Redshaw, though, chaps. I mean, there was absolutely no runs at all. But Mitchell Stark took eight for. Um, and to me, that just reminded me that I'd never want to face Mitchell Stark at 8.45 with a pink ball when it's hooping um, because, geez, that looks like it's hard to hit. Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of it. I mean, our fast bowlers are doing well, aren't they? But that, that part is sorted out. And this is Australia, isn't it? Like, there's significant elements of the side that are doing really well. Mm. Fast bowlers look good. They're aggressive. They want to maim people. They're going to wear moustaches. That part's sorted out. Our captain scores, you know, voluminous runs. Kawaja scored 100. Warner's being the bull again. We're nearly there, but we're going to just complain about the one bit that isn't working well, which is the middle order. Mm. Oh, you've tickled me there with voluminous runs by our captain, which is what I want this Ashes. The one thing, just if I can be earnest for a very split second here, I did notice that James Pattinson, uh, one of our quickest fast bowlers, James Pattinson, is undergoing a spinal fusion, which is actually a surgery I had, which ultimately ruined my career, any form of sport, not just cricket. So if, if James Pattinson's out there and he's career, listening... LinkedIn, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get a job now. Yeah. It's disgraceful. But um, honestly, I, I know you're probably listening, James, but please don't get that surgery because it's very difficult to come back from unless you've got, you know, the, I guess the support of an entire network of Cricket Australia professionals. You might be able to do a bit better than I did. A couple of- well, well, Dave, perhaps you can shed some light on the spinal fusion mm. uh, surgery because it's a very scary term, spinal and then fusion. <laughs> and then I, I just want – it's a two-point question. Yeah, yeah. How many how many clicks did you bowl at pre-fusion, yeah, yeah. and how many clicks would you bowl at now post-fusion? It's probably a 20-click variance from a pre and post, <laughs> but um, honestly, I haven't even bowled a ball since I had the surgery, to be quite honest. You know, why would I do that? I have no reason to bowl a ball. I don't play cricket anymore. But it has actually impacted on me massively. Uh, spinal fusion is, as you'd expect, you are fusing the spine. You are fusing two vertebrae. You're basically taking out a disc that's squashed and you're fusing the vertebrae either side of that. So it's a real struggle if you're a, you know, a bend-the-back style fast bowler to, to recuperate from. Um, you know, it takes about a year or so to, to get good, as they say. So, look, it's going to be a massive struggle for him to come back from, and that's me being earnest. Well, that is something that's obviously uh, affected your life ongoing uh, since that day was round about when you were uh, 12 years old, when you were mancad. And boys, the mancad debate still, I mean, it, 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 it roars on. The debate roars on. There's obviously the biggest law change in the ICC, the one that uh, has caused the most interest. And there was an interest in, uh, it read its ugly head, the mancad incident in a Sydney grade game here involving the University of New South Wales. And I think it might have actually involved my old club, Gordon. Um, I didn't uh, ask any officials because they don't talk to me anymore because I've been disowned um, because of this podcast. Um, but uh, once again, a uh, good friend of the show, Jeff Lemon, picked this story up. And uh, boys, the man cad, it goes on. Well, uh, th- there's something happening, isn't there? I mean, this is a revolution, and it doesn't surprise me that grade cricket is uh, has been first to adopt the normalisation of man catting as a dismissal. And and I, for one, back that. So just with the tweet, what happened was, <laughs> so Union New South Wales tweeted from their official account saying. A man cat against us today in Metro Cup. Metro Cup is like sixth grade, isn't it? So barely. Sixth grade, grade yeah. 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 yeah it's, a man cat against cults. us today. It's yuck. 
in Metro Cup. Sad day for the game. Let's hope karma works her magic. Hashtag go the bees. And then Jeff Lemon quote tweeted it saying, stay in your crease, champ. Uh, right. <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, there was a tweet storm. And anyway, what happened was the Union New South Wales account deleted the tweet. God. Now, fearing the tweet storm. The ultimate backtrack. Yeah, like Alfred on the field and off, it would appear. <laughs> Look, I, I don't share your view on man-catting. Look, I mean, but I think that comes from personal experience and I really think you do have to experience man-catting to actually understand how fucked up it is to get man-catted. <laughs> and as, as he goes alluded to just at the start of this, I was man-catted in an under-12 rep game against Sutherland. I was on 70-odd at the time. But it was late 90s, though. So it was a different political climate, is what I'm saying. I guess back then, in the late 90s, um, you know, Clint, the Clinton era, it was unthinkable to mancad. But now, look, it's fucking cricket is a zero-sum game where you're either a winner or a loser. It's fucking alpha to say, sorry, champ, but rules are rules. Suddenly, even though cricket is the gentleman's game, there's apparently no room for grey area anymore. Um, I, love, I really like the mancad as warning, not as dismissal. Um, and suddenly the, the climate has changed. The political climate has changed, and now it's okay to mancat. Not happy with it. Don't agree with it. Well, we're going to come back to this again at, uh, at, at the end for hashtag AskTGC because uh, the mancatting has, uh, has even more so reared its ugly head. I just like saying reared its ugly head. Because <laughs> it really, yeah, yeah. I like getting the visceral reaction from you, Edos. Um, but we will uh, touch on this later. Another thing that's happened in, uh, in club cricket in Victoria was a, a chap took a triple hat-trick, and this is reported on cricket.com.au. And I just have to read you parts of the story because it's absolutely incredible. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on here, but it was, it was basically said that it the, the article starts that a Victorian third-grade cricketer is still pinching himself after taking an incredible 8-for-17 haul for local club uh, Yalorn North, including an astonishing triple hat-trick. Now, a triple hat-trick isn't nine wickets in a row. It's actually five wickets in a row. But there's, there's actually more to this story. Um, he, he, he started off by saying that uh, his, his spell was... Awful. He started off with an offside wide, then a leg side wide, and everyone was laughing. And everyone was laughing at him. Um, he said, "I started with two wides. One was big offside wide, and the other was a big leg side wide, and everyone was laughing at me." Uh, but then it all came together, and he claimed he and claimed his initial hat trick, three wickets and three balls. Of course, um, his brother's best bowling figures were eight for thirty. So after he had the hat trick, he thought maybe I can beat him, and I really tried to do that. Mm. Uh, then he just goes on to said, you know, for some reason he just couldn't miss, so he gets his he gets his five wickets and five balls, finishes his spell of eight for seventeen, job done. Uh, and then <laughs> he said uh, the candid the, the article says the candid self assessment of his incredible performance included an admission that he was making up for a poor return with a bat earlier in the match after being dismissed for a golden duck on the third ball of the day. That was pretty embarrassing, he told Latrobe Valley Express. I came off and thought to myself, I hate cricket. I'm never playing again. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all said that daily for the last 17 years? There's a a lot going on there, isn't there? I particularly like that it's Probably the greatest thing he will ever do on a cricket field. He's taken five wickets in five wickets in a row. He's taken eight for seventeen. Mm. But all he can talk mm. about is his sense of failure and people laughing mm. at him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's quite humble and self deprecatory. But at the same time, this is yeah. the impact of cricket, isn't it? Like all you you can take eight for oh, seventeen. Yeah. All you're doing is running away from people's laughter. I mean, imagine how much someone <laughs> laughed at Michael Clarke. 
Oh, mate. I think I said last week that fits of laughter were very difficult to recover from, but obviously this guy's gone and taken a triple hat trick, so he's, he's proven me wrong there. I think the biggest umbrage I have, though, and I know you guys share this with me, is that this was reported mm. as a grade cricket mm. fixture. Correct, um, quite abundantly clear that mm-hmm. this is not grade cricket, is it? Hushed somber tones not right great now. Cricket. This isn't great cricket. It's not fucking great cricket. Exactly the same as a bloke who scored three hundred and seven out of his out of his sides three hundred and forty. Mm. That's not great cricket. That that like no one gets a triple hat trick in great cricket. No, nah, um, but uh, lads, there was one story that also caught the eye, and that was one bloke who actually was playing great cricket. His name is Alex Carmi from Perth CC. He took a hat trick, and I don't know if you've seen the footage here, but he actually does like a <laughs> cartwheel celebration. And mm. Pez, you'll appreciate this as a Manchester United fan, um, but it reminded me of like nannies. Um, celebration when when United beat Liverpool three nil, and he sort of like did this like somersault pike with a twist, and it was actually really impressive. It's something that Tom Daly, British dive, would be would have been proud of. It was it was astonishing <laughs> athleticism from a great cricketer, uh, especially with the spikes on. Don't you reckon? Like, um, how did how did he do it with the spikes on? Because I, I watched the flip, and it was like yeah. a it was a slow mo flip. Well, firstly, it was a cartwheel into a backflip. So. Let, let's right. just be specific there. But he was wearing spikes on. That's that's difficult to get air and leverage, I would have thought. It was yeah. the rarest thing I've ever seen. It, it, it was, was because it's very... <laughs> Sorry. It, it's very incongruous with the like stereotype of a big fastballer, isn't it? Like he yeah. sort of hustles and bustles in, gets the wicket, and then all of a sudden he turns into like Torval yeah. and Dean. Uh, like celebrations, <laughs> celebrations are getting out of hand. Yeah, because now people are wheeling away. Pat Cummins last week was talking about twirling a stump over his head as he's running away. Like they're, they're kind of like increasingly football yeah. celebrations into cricket. Like what happened to just you know a bit of ewing and wooing like Ric Flair and guys just sort of awkwardly touching each other because it's the yeah. only male contact they get. It, it, there's a lot of pressure on to celebrate a wicket well now. I think I blame. Brett Lee. Do you remember when he used to jump up and like click his heels like like a fucking oh, leprechaun or something? He just like yeah. he'd take a wicket and then he'd kind of do this like gleeful little jump and kick his heels. It was um I think it was the beginning of the end. Yeah, it, it, like at the start I thought it was kind of cool because he's from Wollongong and I thought it looked like he was like grinding a skateboard, like shadow skateboarding. Kind <laughs> oh of yeah, fans like, then, grind. The, the more it went on, the more it looked uh, like a little bit more flamboyant uh, or camp as he was doing it. And again, <laughs> at odds with the fact that he dismissed someone at, uh, with a ball at 160 Ks. Mm. I still think the greatest celebration in, in Test cricket history was like Stuart Broad's face when like, I don't even know who took the catch. She was in the Ashes last time, and like, and like it was the best reaction ever. Yeah. Just it was like morbid horror at like what he just witnessed. Is <laughs> happening? That's very great cricket happening? though. Yeah. Just like oh, like oh my god, did he play that shot? Like horror at the yuckness of the dismissal. Yeah. That was actually that was a very very good celebration. It's like so mocking of the batsman too. It's just like I can't yeah, believe yeah. this is happening. That you've done that, yeah. you absolute imbecile. Do you have a disability? Like <laughs> why? What compelled you to play that shot? That's <laughs> just one more thing before we get uh, Will McPherson uh, on the line. But uh, Shane Warne is alleged to be the new the new bachelor <laughs> in Australia. Uh, the Bachelorette mm-hmm. just finished up here in Australia. I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. obviously, Dave and I got together in Sydney and we spooned each other and uh, and watched the watched the mm-hmm. season finale of the Bachelorette. And we we were thinking, who's going to be the new bachelor, weren't we, Dave? And it's allegedly going to be Shane Warne, to which he has refuted these claims. But would you like to see Shane Warne as a new bachelor? 
Oh, he goes, absolutely, we have to. And I think we've mm. been waiting for this announcement for a while. I mean, it hasn't confirmed that he's still being very coy about it, but you just look at his Twitter activity over the past couple of months. Even his bio says, and I'm just reading it now because <laughs> I've got it up, it's my screensaver, <laughs> ex-cricketer, proud father of three awesome teenagers, <laughs> cricket commentator, poker player, huge fan of 80s music, and still single. And um, he, he goes and pairs. I remember uh, sending you this screenshot of another tweet from uh, from Warney a month or so ago. Probably when he was watching The Bachelor, actually, he came out with this one. Mm. Any singles out there who love being single but miss being in an awesome relationship with cuddles on the couch in tracky dacks and chilling? That was just a real warning sign that Warney's sad. Um, and even the most decorated Chop King just wants someone to come home to and to cuddle on the couch with. <laughs> in tracky tax it will be phenomenal viewing uh, two points on this firstly uh being in london sometimes <laughs> it's really it's nice to see when you know there are tweets from the great cricketer from either of you two and i was wondering who did the tweet about uh the bachelor recently about justin i think getting dropped to fours or something and the thing i noted about it he goes because i'm looking at you he said to know a lot about the bachelor is uh <laughs> yeah. you, t- you tweeted that, that just as like the, the women's Ashes was on. Like Australia was playing England in cricket, and the grade cricketer was tweeting about the Bachelor, which I think says a lot. <laughs> yeah, and the second thing to everything. anyone out there, uh, if you do want some sense of how Warney goes on a reality TV show, I think he was on Survivor or something similar to that a few years ago. And there's this great footage of him dealing with uh, a spider being put into his hand. Uh, he was crying, <laughs> literally crying, and uh, it was just phenomenal viewing. I think he would he would be yeah. a perfect talent for that show. Oh, absolutely. Will McPherson coming up. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading The Great Cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, um, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. So, boys, as you know, we're in bed with the enemy, <laughs> and uh, we've we've got on the line a, a member of the UK press pack. I mean, for Australian listeners, uh, the UK press you know, is a intimidating thing. You know, you think about paparazzi, you think about press hounds, or the media over here, you know, from London can be pretty vicious. Um, that does not describe the guy that we've got on the line, though. We've got Will McPherson, who's one of the best young cricket writers in the game. Uh, he's covering the Ashes for the Times. I think he's the offsider to Michael Atherton. And uh, it's just going to be good to hear an English accent, to be honest. Will, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm a long-time fan. It's great to be with you. (laughs) It's a good voice, isn't it? It's really going to offset our harsh nasal tones. (laughs) (laughs) What can you say to that? How's it going? Is everyone well? Yeah, we're all good, mate. Yeah, we ask the questions here, so... um, Alfred already. Alfred already. already. (laughs) Uh, No, Will, your uh, antipathy aside... You're over in Perth at the moment, uh, which is where the English team landed recently. Can you tell us a little bit about how they were received by the Australian press and the uh, and the public? Yeah, it's quite funny. I mean, my my impression is that no one really knows who any of the England players are. Um, but yeah, obviously, the most probably probably one of the few um, <laughs> one of the few very well known. I think it's yeah. Going back to Alfring, I think it's sort of a very you know just. <laughs> From the word go, Australia's just turning its back on England and just saying, look, you're not even worth it. So I was yeah. at the airport with, with, a, with a load of TV crews there when they arrived and uh, 
And I was sort of keeping a close eye on them because I thought this was hilarious as well because I don't think when Australia landed in England that this really happens where you get lots of TV crews and stuff. But I was looking and <laughs> they, quite a few of them had sort of cheat sheets and they, they knew who they were asking questions to. But yep. this wasn't that successful because um, Alistair Cook, a man who has lost two Ashes series 5-0 in this country and uh, also scored 760-odd runs in another, in, in a victorious one, a bloke went up to him, I think it's Channel 7, possibly, I don't want to name and shame too hard, but I think it was Channel 7, went up to him and went, so, James, and, and Coach just looked at him and went, sorry? Yeah. <laughs> um, the name's Alistair. But, um, right. yeah, that's it, just it, a deep-seated insecurity. Think... That's just a deep-seated insecurity from, you know, our colonial past. That's, that's, that's right. all that is. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I, I presume he thought he was James Anderson, who's, who's also an outstanding-looking man. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, perhaps it was that. But but who are these guys, mate? Because I just Googled on my iPhone, who are England team? And you go through about four or five headshots I see, and I see Alastair Cook, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, James Anderson, and then I get to some blokes that I just don't even know who these guys are. Darwood Milan. I mean, I'm sure he's a wonderful bloke, but is that really his name, Darwood? Is that Welsh? That's well, all my questions. He's, I mean, to, to play up to sort of enjoyable Australian stereotype, stereotype of English cricket, Please. David Milan, he is, he is, he is a South African. Um, right, of course. Yeah. From, yeah. He's from South Africa, really. So, what, I mean, Stokes, it's, I don't think he's coming, but he, he was one of maybe, I, I reckon we were five or six sort of very reasonably recognisable faces. So you've got Jimmy Anderson, Broad, the captain, Root, and the former captain, Cook, mm. and then um, Stokes. Johnny Bairstow, I mm. think quite a few fans would know Johnny Bairstow, mm. mainly because yeah. he's a a raging ranger. Um, <laughs> and then, like, beyond that, I, I do accept that this is this is not the sort of, it's not an England team full of, I mean, Moen Ali, maybe. I'd, I'd imagine mm. most, he's played a World Cup here. Uh, I mean, Chris Wokes, possibly. But there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys from, who are sort of fresh out of domestic cricket in England who wouldn't necessarily be um, terribly recognisable. And, and so, mate, with that in mind, Will, is there a quiet kind of confidence among England uh, where you think that you might be able to take advantage of Australia's hubris? You know, we love teams turning up and thinking we're just going to turn them over, that all these faceless guys are going to come out and cop round the wicket bounces and succumb meekly you know, to our hyper-aggression. Uh, do you think that actually plays into England's hands somewhat? And if there is... If there are players there that we don't recognise, you know, who are the ones that we th- you think we might really know, you know, by the end of the tour? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I reckon they, um, I reckon there's a bit of a, with the Stokes thing, they've been, they've been copping quite a lot back home from the press and sort of keeping, trying to keep their heads down. Um, but I think a sort of siege mentality has developed a little bit where they, are trying to convince themselves that they can win over, and I think they actually can. But I, you know, I wouldn't put them as favourites. But I you know, I, I, I don't see why they can't win the Ashes. Um, Stoneman, Mark Stoneman's the opening bat. He's gonna, he's gonna open with Cook. I think he's probably, he's a bloke who I think is well equipped to do pretty well here. He, um, he's the only bloke in English domestic cricket who's scored a thousand runs for five consecutive years and he's he's waited a long time for his chance. He's thirty odd. He's only played three tests and he looked pretty accomplished in those three. He he he's played he's played he's actually played a lot of great cricket in Sydney. So you love might might have alphaed him at some stage. But um he yeah, so he's he's a fella I I I would say that I I'd be I'd be surprised if he has a poor series. Um and then 
Besto, I imagine Besto and Mo and Ali are going to move up a slot to to sort of cover for Stokes, who won't be around. Um, and I think they're both. I mean, they're both properly experienced Test cricketers now, forty odd, forty odd Tests each. So I think they're they're well set up to do well. Um, and then I think the bolter is um, this lad called Craig Overton from Somerset. He's this sort of big, brawny, fast bowler who's um, probably going to bat. Well, he he might bat number nine below Wokes, and he'll he'll bowl quick as well. So he he's another one I think could do all right. I'm not so convinced about some of the others though. There's a there's a fair list though. Let's uh let's talk about Stokes. I mean, let's, you know, we have to talk about Ben Stokes, and I, I appreciate I appreciate there's probably some limitations on what can and can't be said. But uh, Australia <coughs> awoke to the news a few days ago, uh, emerging from the Daily Mail, that uh, in fact Ben Stokes uh, Ben Stokes' actions were that of a hero, and um, that he yeah. And and, and I, I don't really want to go into the rights and wrongs of that will, but um, it's it seems to me that uh, there's a little bit of detail emerging about what's going on. And I just wonder, and I'm saying this kind of cheekily, I just imagine the UK press pack kind of uh, quietly uh, just contorting the story a little bit to make it maybe, you know, just to roll out the red carpet a little bit, make it a little bit more uh, feasible that Stokes comes out and uh, dominates Australia. Are you doing that with your press colleagues? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think uh, I think the, the, the cricket guys, the, you know, the, the story that came out over the weekend, about the um, the two fellas who who he was supposedly mm. defending that was that was that was from sort of the main section of the paper. I don't. I think the cricket guys are sort of. It would be would be a huge surprise for us if he turned out. Not not least because I think the the main thing about this is the, the criminal proceedings are still going on against Stokes. But what happens are even if he gets cleared, I think I think the ECB um, are sort of of a mind that they have to. They're going to have to come down on him like a ton of bricks anyway, because it's yeah. not a great look for the. There's a lot of like in in the UK. There's a lot of stuff about sports governance at the moment and how irresponsible it all is. And I think it would be a terrible look if they um, if they said, "Ah, oh, don't worry, you know, you can go out after a one day international with the next one two days away, have 15 pints and then throw 15 punches." You know, I, I I think they if they said that was okay, then um, that. You know, and then you turn up for the next international thing and play, or the next test thing to play. I don't, I don't think they think they can do that. So I, I think even if he manages to get away, get away with it in the eyes of the law, I think I, I, just, I can't see him turning up. I, I, I'd, I'd be really surprised. I was just about to say, all, I, all I do think if he does turn up, it will be an, it will be absolutely hilarious. I have, I have like nice visions of him arriving the week before the first test, which is England are playing up in Townsville that week. And him just sort of getting off the plane in in a country town and then just going straight, I just think it'd be absolutely hilarious. And I think people would try, like it would really ramp up ashes if he did. But I'd, I'd oh. give it less than a ten percent chance. Look, if he did come, he was just going to have the worst trip of his life. Like he's he's just going to not be able to go anywhere without copping it from every single angle. I mean, I think probably for his own health long term, probably best that you know, <laughs> criminal criminal proceedings aside, he sits this one out because. Should, mate, you, what do you reckon would be easier? The, sort of nine months, nine, nine months behind bars, or three months in Australia with a. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I That's what a tough I will question, say is it. What, what I will say is the advantage of, of no one in Australia recognising a single member of the England squad is that they've actually they're actually going to be able to 
to go out a little bit if they do fancy it because no one's yeah. going to know who they are. They can they can do they can do the whole fifteen pint job and and, and no one no one will recognise it. But you know there is that advantage. Well, I mean, on that note, Will, you're kind of a, a first or second time traveller to Australia as a journo. You know, in your in your professional role. What sort of circuits are you looking forward to you know, throughout Australia? Is there anywhere in particular that um, you're particularly keen to get around and, and, and give a 15 pint job to yourself? Townsville definitely stood out when I saw the uh, when I when I saw it uh, when I saw the schedule come out. It's the it's the only one on the uh, only only place on the on the tour I haven't been to. So I'm chomping to get among a palmy up there and see what's going on. I mean, sounds quite. Sounds like an interesting place for an Englishman. So. Well, to anyone listening uh, to the great cricketer, if you do, if you are in Townsville and you want to look after Will McPherson when he's there, you know, give him some tips, <laughs> etc. Please just write into us, can pass that on to him. Uh, Will, thanks very much for joining us uh, for the chat. That was uh, very insightful, and again, it's just always great to have people on the show who actually know about the game. Um, good luck throughout your travels Thank in Australia. You. Hopefully, you do an join honor. us again. Cheers. Thank you very much. See you soon, guys. Thanks, Will. This summer, we've got the biggest renovation challenge yet. Two teams will have to transform not one, but two broken down grade cricket dressing rooms every single week. There will be tension. What even is grade cricket, Dazza? Why did we take time off work to do this? Come on, Charlesy. Work hard, love. <laughs> there will be drama. I just... I just want to make this perfect. Great cricket deserves a great home. But when the reveal comes, there will be joy. Oh, 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 oh God, lads, boys, look at this, eh? Results! Results! Ever since the missus booted me out and took the kids, I've been sleeping in this dressing room. It's a second home to me, literally. So this is, this is really special. For us to be able to come in and give these grade cricketers a beautiful new dressing room, one they can drink their beers in, sing the club song, judge each other in the showers, yeah, you know, it makes you feel good. But this ain't no charity. Not when the stakes are this high. I'm not here for a bloody holiday. If I wanted that, I would have gone to Bali or Thailand. It's Australia's toughest renovation competition. Winner takes all. If I have to dish out a little bit of chin music, I will. <laughs> Presented by Australia's favourite knockabout blue-collared larrikin millionaire. We're giving great cricket the Renault makeover it deserves. Renault Rampage, coming soon. Well, boys, it's my very special pleasure to introduce this man to the show. He is the hottest property in cricket writing in my view, his articles are unmissable. Uh, I'm sure he is the. Uh, I'm sure he experiences a lot of passive aggression at the hands of other journo's uh, who can't get <laughs> half the clicks that uh, this man can get. He bowled at 140 clicks. He gets a lot of clicks. It's Brett Jeeves. Brett, welcome to the Great Cricketer. <laughs> yeah, g'day guys. How you going? Very good, mate. We we actually asked you off air. Is there anything off limits in this conversation? You just said nah, nothing at all. So we're really looking forward to just uh, basically everyone in cricket offside. I was going to say, please don't tease me for being a clickbait specialist. Eddie Cowan gets into me about it all the time. If you want to me, he's like, you're just a clickbait journalist, and. Uh, 
and it gets me. It really tugs at me. So, um, well, he's yeah, just a talking no, great head. Great start. Great start. Well, he's it, just a talking head. Everybody has their own brands, you know. Like Cowan is the uh, the intellectual head of cricket in Australia. Rent a quote. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us bantering it, it about is, Eddie Cowan. It, it is it is very funny. Like I've known I've known Ed for a long time. Um, you know, we played um state juniors against each other and we've kind of known each other since we were seventeen, eighteen. Uh, he's been a good mate to me across the journey, but I, I do remember him saying to me one day, I'd I'd, I'd written a piece and he's like, This is like fish three four nine and when fish three four nine in Hobart is a kind of a higher end fish and chip shop. The rest of your stuff, slippers <laughs> <laughs> is trash. It's like, you know, big dollar yeah. fisherman's basket. And bloody Ed, he just, he gets me. Yeah, he's, he's way too smart for me, so. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. say to him, well, sorry, yeah. sorry, Hemingway, you know, why don't you publish something? So anyway, um, Brett, let, let's, talk, let's talk about your writing because the last time you came on the show, we talked a bit about your career and playing in Australian cricket. But, I mean, the last year or so, you, your, your articles can't be missed because you sort of provide this unmatched insight into what actually happens in Australian cricket circles. And, you, you, you know, I'm obviously pissing in your pocket right now, so hopefully we can be friends later. But uh, <laughs> you also write very entertainingly. I mean, like, what has been the reception to your pieces in the last year? Do you get a lot of feedback from people? Do people start tipping you off? Do you, have you accrued sources from people because, you know, everyone must read Jeeves? Yeah, look, I mean, firstly, I um, I appreciate that uh, enormously. It's, it's it's one thing, and um, I don't know if you guys get much of the same, but it's, um, you know, you don't often get someone say, hey, you know, well done, you're doing a great job, keep it up. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think because... Um, yeah, because a lot of stuff I'm writing is is pretty honest, um, and I'm I'm in largely trying to trying to have a bit of fun with it as well. So trying to provide some entertainment and tell some some funny yarns, but but also you know provide some honest opinion around what I'm seeing um, across the game and what I've seen in the past. And um, I mean, I think a lot of it ties into you know the types of hierarchies that 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 you guys play on, and you know from a great cricket perspective and. And, and beyond, obviously, and um, I mean, in terms of feedback, uh, cricketers generally don't like it that much. And you know, I've, I've lost some, to be honest, I've, I've lost some friendships with people that um, that that I did hold quite close as as mates. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, I, I think too that it's become part of my weekly profession. You know, so I'm. I'm paid to write now, which is great. I didn't start off being paid to write. I was a I was a, a blogger way back then, uh, way back when, and, and and it's kind of evolved nicely for me, which is great. But um, yeah, look, I mean, certainly on the downside, you know, that that level of honesty, and, and certainly when it comes to Tasmania cricket, where I've, I've provided some really honest opinion about, um, you know, I guess the inner workings of relationships, recruitment processes, and 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 overall performance. Um, yeah, I mean, it you know, it, it, it has come with. Um, with the negatives of um, of losing some friendships, and that's part of being an adult, I think. There is a Brett. There is a kind of a rich tradition of cricketers becoming journalists. You know, you look back at Roebuck and Atherton and Ashley Mallet or something. Benno, those kind of guys. Benno now Brett Jeeves, obviously. Um, do you do you kind of um, uh, do, do you see yourself as a journalist? Like, do you, do you, where, what do you kind of want to do with your writing? I mean, you've got the weekly articles, but do you want to kind of take it a step further and, and write some long form, or, or what, what are you kind of planning? 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm really not sure. I mean, I work day-to-day, so I um, manage a small government um, hospitality program um, in the south of Tassie, so down in Hobart across um, uh, customer service. So, you know, venues providing a, a great customer experience to, to tourists. It's a great mm-hmm. job, and um, I absolutely love it. It's good fun. I, I get to do a bit of secret shopper, so, you know, a lot of, lot of cream buns, and, <laughs> and then I get to judge the cream buns. So it doesn't get any better than that for, uh, for a fat yeah. kid, former cricketer. Perfect. Lots of coffee. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've... I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm being really honest. Here. I'm trying to be smart. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where the writing side of things takes me. Um, you know, it's it's at the moment. It's it's good fun, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, and and it seems to be well received by general punter, which is which is great. Um, largely, that's that's you know obviously who it's who it's um, targeted for. Um, you know, if in six months' time um, Fox Sports decide that uh, that I'm out of my ear, um, then hopefully I've still got my job and, and I'll be able to maintain and hold a normal life rather than you know, sucking my thumb and crying in the back shed for, for 12 months. So let's get your thoughts, uh, Brett, on, on the current state of Australian cricket, which is in a real state of flux, it seems, anyway. I mean, Australia constantly seems to be for the next big thing and, and that's sort of at the detriment at the moment of the Sheffield Shield where um, basically the best players aren't get picked I mean obviously the biggest uh, story this year has been a friend a mutual friend of ours Ed Cowan but um, there's got to be a theory as to why the best players aren't really being picked like is is there a theory like there's got to be some method behind the madness right yeah I mean it's it's kind of baffling. Um, I'm I'm really not sure. I, I honestly, you know, I've, I've given this so much thought um, over the last twelve months. I, I can't pinpoint why we've gone down this path. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you look at um, the circumstances surrounding it, I mean, you know, clear cut. Ed has been the best domestic uh, performer since 2014-15 um, season. You know, in in terms of runs scored. Uh, he, he had a career best year last year. Um, the man is on fire. Um, Ed's bloomed really late. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys read Ed's piece that was, um, I think, went on ESPN.com there a little while ago about Ed's evolution as a as a player and how he worked it out, and, and now he's in this place of, you know, batting with a sense of freedom rather than you know, kind of what everyone else wants him to do. And at age 35, the game shouldn't be lost to him. You know, Ed's got so much to offer. And if he's in career best form, then brilliant. Let's pick him. Um, mm. He deserves his chance. Rather than, if you look at what 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 actually happened around that selection, so Ed comes out. You know, for whatever reason, someone's saying to, to Nick Maddinson and, and, and to New South Wales cricket, um, then there must be an opportunity. At, at test level for Nick Maddinson as an opening batter, why else would he be moving from that five or six spot? I, it's completely lost on me. Um, I think that, you know, if you saw the dismissals of, of, of Nick, uh, particularly in the first things where, he, you know, mm. uh, sadly let one go off, off, off um, uh, Chad Sars, I think that mm. hit middle stump. Uh, no, it was uh, uh, Frankie Worrell. Um, hit middle stump, you know, I mean, technically he just doesn't have um, the capability to, to, to play the swinging and, and moving ball. So, you know, with Ed gone, Nick jumps up and then an opener in Daniel Hughes bats at six. It's, it's completely ass about. Like, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, I mean, it, to me, they're kind of, you know, those selections have to be coming from Cricket Australia or Steve Smith or, or mm. someone's feeding that through to New South Wales to make that suggestion that, 
you know, that there's an opportunity for Nick at the top of the order. Otherwise, you know, I mean, he's probably one of the best five or six batters in the country. He's, he plays with great freedom. Um, he's got a great eye, hits the ball clean, and um, which is why he's been a really great white ball performer. But it's just not working for us. You know, this, mm. this approach of um, uh, blooding young blokes and the captain's call and picking guys on a whim and, you know, not playing our veterans who are our best performers. Um, you've only got to look at the ICC rankings to, to know that over the last three or four years, um, we're falling. You know, with our test ranking is, is lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys dropping, our one-day ranking is dropping. And, you know, for a game in, in T20 cricket that dominates our summer, um, we fail at it miserably. I think we're seventh or eighth ranked in the world. You know, we, <laughs> we're miserable T20. Um, uh, we're a miserable yeah. T20 nation. Yes, um, it seems to be the foundation for our selection. It seems to be the foundation for our summer. Um, we're just not getting it right, and it's obvious mm. in our performance. Can I sort of clumsily lead you with the question, Brett? I mean, I look at the people who are selecting the side or huge influences on the selections anyway. Mark Waugh, Greg Chappell, Darren Lehman, wonderful players each, you know, uh, each. And there is a pattern with those guys or something in common in that they were like classy players who almost were, you know, abundant, so abundantly gifted as to almost possibly they might struggle to appreciate the value of graft. And it certainly seems to me as though that they mm. like, uh, they tend to push forward people who also seem to, um, be the same, perhaps very talented, but um, not that grafting. And also in reverse, they tend to kind of diminish or exclude people from selections who are the opposite. I mean, do you think there's anything worth following there? Is there any truth to that? Yeah, I mean, that's a, I think that's a, um, a terrific observation and, and, and one that is certainly in line with, you know, potentially Ed Cowan not, you know, sort of being in line for test selection coming up or, um, or, or, or sort of, you know, not getting an extended run at it previously. I mean, I, I remember Ed making his debut. I want to use Ed as an example, but um, you know, Eddie made his debut um, at the MCG Boxing Day. He was not out at lunch, and I think he may have been on twenty-seven or twenty-eight or thirty. Yeah, he'd worked his tail off. He let the ball go, you know, the, and, and the bowls were starting to, you know, sort of um, adapt different game plans. It was good cricket from him, you know. And he walks off at lunchtime, having done his job as an opener, and Ian Healy's mocking him. Oh, he can't do this to his, you know, to his other partners now. The, you know, the runs are only coming from one end. It's not good enough. He's got to score. What game are we playing here? This is a five-day Test match. Um, Matt Renshaw caught the same treatment. He scored his uh, 180 in Sydney last year um, and was brilliant. You know, his, his first 50 came off about 120 balls. Perfect. That's what you want from your opening batter. Um, you know, we go back to, to having played, you know, when I was playing short cricket, one of the, the team mantras was, you know, make sure we bat as long into the day as we can so that our middle to lower order players are facing, are facing the bowlers into their third and fourth spells. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you're going to do the most damage. You're not going to do any damage if you're all out for 320 um, and there's still 20 hours left in the day. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm completely lost on it. But I think your point around you know this this selection committee and and their style of play, um, you know, it's it's not a bad little theory. 
So obviously Australia are looking for runs uh, everywhere. We're, we're desperate for runs. It's a drought of runs, especially after the first round of the Shield games. I mean, how concerning is it that over the last probably four years, I mean, going back as far as that, that Australia's batting collapses have been shocking? I mean, the amount of times we've lost five, six, seven, eight wickets in a session over the last few years is concerning. Yet um, we've seen so round one in the shield that, I mean, South Australia got rolled for 92 and then obviously your old Tassie team knocked over for 63, I think it was as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Tassie were nine for 30. Um, right. Yeah, and I think Jesus. Bo Webster was caught on a, uh, so Bo Webster in the, on, on the last wicket was caught off a no ball with a score on 42. So, I mean, it could have been, mm. could have been far worse uh, right. for Tassie, but it's, I mean, also, you know, so again, if we look at if we if we look at whoever made the decision to schedule round one of Shield cricket, pink ball under mm-hmm. lights, mm-hmm. Um, does does that make any sense? Probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that there is a pink ball uh, test around the corner, obviously in Adelaide, and, and that's been largely successful from a you know from a commercial perspective. Um, but did it need to be round one? You know, could could we not have had a really good look at guys with a red ball? Because that's what we're going to see in the first test. Um, to, to me, that would make you know, um, a little almost bit makes sense, too much sense. Yeah, it makes too much <laughs> sense. Yeah, and and I'm not even that smart, so it's kind of you know. I mean, if I can if I can stump that up, then you know, well, what are, what are these people that have been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars doing? But I mean, that that's I mean, like, yeah, I mean, your point largely is is why I. I was pretty keen to see um, uh, Eddie Cowan actually play in the first test bat at three and have Usman Khawaja bat at six or uh, Pete Hanscom bat at, bat at six with, um, mm. excuse me, with, with Usman at five just to provide some stability in that batting order. Um, Matty Wade at, at seven and, and Glenn Maxwell at six. It, it, it hasn't been great. It really hasn't, it really hasn't worked that well. Mm. Um, you know, so by sort of solidifying that middle order with a with a Kawaja and a and a Hanscom combination of five six and a and a rock um, in count at three, to me provides really good depth and, and and it's a good strong list. But um, you know, if we if we go in with Uzi at three and then we you know, we may have Maxwell Wade, we may have Maxwell Neville, um, who, who knows how it shapes up? But um, it's not going to be Eddie, that's for sure. Well, um, I'm glad that we've agreed that Australian cricket is in deep crisis on this call, um, very earnestly, even though <laughs> still they'll win 3-1. Uh, I-, I wanted to ask Brett about, um, just to take it back to your writing a little bit, you know, like all really good cricketers, it appears that you have uh, sports that you prefer to cricket, and <laughs> you've started um, writing about NBA, you know, just-, just to completely throw you. Can you just run us through the NBA season and what we can expect this year? I mean, is it going to be Golden State and the Cavs again? <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, uh, both both Golden State and the Cavs have, have just slumped uh, over the last couple of games. The Cavs have started really badly. Um, but this is the great thing about the NBA. You know, the, the season's written off where we're five games in of 82. Um, it's like the AFL season, you know, after round one. Uh, the season's locked away. You know, lock it in. This is what's going to happen, you know, in, in 23 weeks' time. Um, I've got to say that, you know, there, there, there's one thing about NBA readers that, um, that jumped out at me over the weekend. I'm not great with facts, so I'm very, very like if I write, I'm really reliant on my editor to to kind of straighten things up and, and tighten it up. And the piece I wrote on the on, on the weekend about the NBA, the Phoenix Suns and Eric Bledsoe um, and and the trade debacle and his tweeting. I'm sure you guys may have 
scene. He effectively said he didn't want to be in yeah, Phoenix he didn't want to anymore. Be, yeah. And then doesn't want to be. Here. Yeah, and then the, yeah. well, he was at a hair doesn't want to be here. And that his, <laughs> his text wasn't actually about the Phoenix Suns at all. So I, I wrote about that, and in it, I'd mentioned that Sean. Marion played in the 09 Western Conference Finals for Phoenix. He wasn't actually in Phoenix at the time, so I got that one wrong. Uh, I said that Lonzo Ball scored a triple double yeah. against. Um, I love this. Uh, against Suns, he was an, he was a fifth away from <laughs> to be, triple double. To be fair, though, we we write for Fox Sports as well, and we just throw up anything, and they don't even look at it. <laughs> <laughs> they clean it. They polish it. They're brilliant. Well, no one polished this, and the NBA readers. Uh, went clean off their lips. I copped it from all <laughs> angles. Um, so cricket and football readers tend to let that stuff slide a little bit, whereas the NBA readers were that they were pretty harsh. I love that Which is Pez, that we've we've introduced NBA content on the Great Cricketer Podcast. Just a shameless <laughs> effort to go past Bill Simmons' ringer NBA podcast. Well exactly. On the this is a very subtle slide <laughs> into broader sports as well. You know, that's why we're talking about, you know, the NBA player who said he doesn't want to be here. You know, that has parallels with cricket, you know, because none of us yeah. want to be there. <laughs> so stats like people like, if there's anyone who loves Anyone who loves stats more than cricketers, it's like American sports fans. They just love stats. Salivating they? over box scores. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure if you guys are NBA fans, but I've I've already reached my data limit for the um, for this month, day one, um, <laughs> through the refreshing of box scores. Just yeah, yeah. Done. I, I think that's when it's you a know that it's a, uh, really gets me. You know when you're a. I'm not Proper cricket there. person when it's literally not your favourite sport, not even in your top three, <laughs> because you've learned to hate yeah. cricket so yeah, much. The really good cricketers hate cricket. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when, actually, a really just a, a really quick story. When I was uh, I was playing injured uh, standard fair for me, um, I, I got into betting um, on the NBA, and um, it was back when there, there, there was no real online process to, to bet. So I used to have to go. Uh, to the the tote um, out at uh, a suburb called Moona, which is um, a large Centrelink sort of based area. Right. I was trying to be as nice as I could there for Moona. Um, so I'm out there <laughs> in, my, in, in my beanie, my hoodie, um, uh, got my got my slippers on, and I'm standing at the at the little fish and chip shop next door, getting it uh, just an abundance of money out, two hundred dollars out of the machine, so I could go and um, have a punt next <laughs> next door at about nine in the morning. And with that, the chairman of selectors, Cricket Taz, Michael Farrell, who was working as a cigarette rep at the time, he walks into the fish and chip shop, sees me standing at the uh, at the ATM machine holding about four hundred dollars. Uh, I've got my uh, I've got my <laughs> I've got my betting tips for the day written down. Um, yeah. By this stage, I've got my coffee and egg and bacon roll, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, oh, "I'm just waiting for the tote to open." Um, that afternoon training on a, on a, a gambling yeah. anonymous um, <laughs> little sticker just to, yeah. So it, 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 it actually did get a bit ugly for me because I was bored. I uh, had very, very little else to do. And uh, yeah, I, I wasn't great on the punt. So that was, um, that was that. Brett, I, I love the territory that we've covered uh, in this conversation that very quickly went from Ernest Ashes chat to uh, the NBA and Gambling Anonymous. So, uh, you know, you can expect that on the, on the great cricketer. You know, cricket, cricket's a broad church. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. And, uh, uh, you know, really look forward to reading your pieces throughout the summer. Uh, one of the rare people who, you know, is unencumbered by, I suppose, uh, needing to look after their mates and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's really good to uh, to read what you're saying. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, 
well, you can't lose what you don't have. And uh, if you haven't got any friends, then you're kind of good to go. Uh, you can sort of shoot from the hip. But uh, And look, the book's a beauty too. So hopefully um, hopefully it does well for you. I like that you didn't bring it out at Christmas. You didn't go for the cliche Christmas release. <laughs> Um, which is great, and um, it's a great read. So <laughs> no, we, we, we thought we'd go it. for a yeah, soft launch this time just to um, just to really position ourselves for the Christmas assault. <laughs> but if people do want to buy it for Christmas, uh, booktopia.com <laughs> or in all good bookstores and Big W. Perfect. Uh, magic. There it is. The little lead-in. Uh, perfect. Very nice. Cheers, Brett. Thanks, mate. On you guys. Big day. No, big night. I've got to clean up the last two wickets, sing the song, do the covers, sing the song, drink 42 beers in the sheds, have a shower, sing the song, publicly objectify my teammates' ribs, compare sizes, tell everyone how good I was when I was 17, go to a strip club, lie to my wife, then spend all of Sunday being an emotionally absent father and husband. (sighs) Big nights start with grade cricket. Lying to yourself has never been harder. That was Brett Jeeves, insightful as ever. A uh, fair bit of feedback over the last couple of weeks, and rightly so, that the, the cast is dragging on. So I think mm. in the spirit of your own time and uh, giving it back to you, we might hold over Ask TGC till next week because we're just, you know, we're just showered with content, mm. aren't we, And Dave? also the fact that he goes has just gone walkabout. He's, his internet's <laughs> died and we haven't seen him in 30 minutes. So he goes, if you're there, give us a call, mate. But, yeah, we're just going to skip it this week, and, but we'll give it a good nudge yeah. next week, the Ask TG section. Keep asking those questions. We love getting them. We love seeing those notifications in our phones, and we'll answer them all mm. in due course. Mm. I just, yeah, I do love seeing the number pop up on the phone. It's, uh, it's everything to me. It's kind of like poker machines. Uh, and, just, and just finally, if you do want to get our book, it's in stores now, definitely. It's online. Uh, again, yeah. we've got another week of like promoing it pretty hard because if we don't, then it won't be in bookstores at Christmas. So please uh, forgive us for that. Yeah, it's in bookstores in Australia and New Zealand. Um, you can grab it online. There's like a million different places. I mean, we, we enjoy hearing from you, but if you're going to ask us where to get it, just just go to Google because Google is better than asking us via Facebook, where's the book? Where can I bet your book? You're going to get a lot more answers and it's going to be a lot more clear cut than what we can answer. People might just want to... Uh talk to us which i understand but i also agree with you on that count and just finally um dave a little shout out uh can i give a personal one a little shout out to uh, north london cricket club who were kind enough to uh, allow me to host their end of season presentation last week it was absolutely incredibly funny night um the highlight corporate being the president doing, doing some corporate, corporate gigs. Gigs, exactly the highlight was like, it was a classic club cricket night in England. Uh, the president got up at one stage and uh, aside from being very nice and effusive in his praise for the club and its history, he then started to say how soft the club was and how they needed to uh, be better on the field and stop sledging batsmen. And, you know, everyone had had about 10 drinks by then and people were yelling out, yeah, tell us how shit we are. Spank me, daddy. Uh, it was it was fantastic. It was loose. Uh, it was a pleasure to host. If you do want us to host or if you do want to host for your own uh, presentation nights that aren't ex-cricketers talking about drinking 50 beers and cheating on their wives and how mm. funny that is, then uh, we can do yep. that. So, we can do that. Uh, please yeah. get in touch. Well, that's about it. But that'll be all. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um.